Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name's Matt, and as usual, if you're just jumping in with us, welcome. We're so glad that you're choosing to just listen in and be a part of this community, be a part of this conversation, these things that we think matter, and hopefully help you to interact with the world, people, and stuff in a more beautiful way. That's the point of all of this. Today, we're jumping into a new series of talks, um, but before we do, I really quickly want to mention that this upcoming Saturday, August 18th, we're going to be hosting a CMYK picnic, and it's everything that the title says that it is. Uh, what we are is a community of people that is kind of scattered in a lot of ways. We've got a lot of people that listen to the podcast. We've got people that gather on Sunday mornings. Uh, we've got people that gather at our Sunday evening gatherings, and it's rare that we're all in the same place at the same time. And so we thought, well, let's just host a couple picnics this summer has an opportunity for us to just get together. And for you listening to the podcast, you can get to know some of the people that are a part of this community. And we can just know that we're not alone as we're wrestling through and thinking through a lot of these things. So this upcoming Saturday at 1130 a.m., we're going to be at Pioneer Park. And our hope is that you will be able to make time to be there and just connect. And there's not going to be any talk or anything like that. It's just connecting, having fun, sharing a meal together. We're going to be meeting right in between the kiddie pool and the playground at Pioneer. So you can find us there. And it's a great opportunity to bring kids. They can play on the playground or the kiddie pool. And um, all we're asking is that you would bring food for yourself, your family, or friends that you're coming with. And we will be providing the drinks, utensils, plates, those kinds of things as CMYK. If you want to bring a dish to share, you're more than welcome to do that, but you don't have to. But I hope that you would be able to be there this coming Saturday, August 18th, for a CMYK picnic. It'll be good to see all of you. Today, we're jumping into this new series that we're simply entitling Agree to Disagree or Relating with Those We Love But Disagree With. I think many of us understand that there are tensions in life, particularly with relationships that we really care for, whether it's family or friends, that potentially we've been on a journey and a path in our spirituality and understanding of the world. And many times that path and journey creates disagreements between us and these people that we love. And in that disagreement, things can get really tense around the Thanksgiving table. Things can get really tense when we get certain family and friends together and we're kind of crossing our fingers hoping the conversation doesn't go there because we know there's going to be so much disagreement around that table. And what I found is that it's easy sometimes for these relationships of people that we really love for us to never really talk about much that matters and all we're really talking about is the latest Netflix show because we, we just can't go there. We can't talk about it because there's so much disagreement. And for me personally, this is a journey that I've been on that I grew up as someone uh, that was in a pretty conservative Christian kind of worldview and context community. And over these past, particularly five years, I'm someone that has kind of, kind of moved away from those things in a lot of ways. And for me to move away from that conservative Christian evangelical mindset has been incredibly challenging for my family, incredibly challenging for certain friends and people in my life. So much so that there's been a lot of anger and frustration between myself and them because we just can't seem to agree on certain things. And so for me, I've been spending the last season of time, the last few years trying to figure out, okay, I love and care for these people. But how do we agree to disagree? How do we continue to relate 
even though there's maybe so much differing opinion on things like the Bible or God, topic of sexuality or politics, what's happening in our country, can we still find this love to be central to our relationship? Or do we just have to devolve all the time into the latest show on Netflix and that's the only thing I'll ever be able to relate to with my father or with these certain friends, other family members that I have? And particularly for me, there's been a passage of scripture that I've spent a lot of time and, and energy trying to process and think through. Because this text found in the book of Romans, it's in the New Testament of the Bible. And Romans is this letter that was written to a community of people. And what the author of the letter, Paul, is trying to do through this letter is trying to reconcile two different groups of people that in many ways, people said there's no way that they can be a part of the same thing. They're just too different. You had the Jewish people and you had Gentiles, people that were not Jews. And what Paul is working to do through the book of Romans is to say that part of the work of Christ is to see these two groups of people reconciled on the same page and on the same plane, that they are one community, one body, that Christ is reconciling all things. And so that's a lot of what Romans is trying to talk about and work through, and it's incredibly beautiful. But particularly in Romans chapter 12, I'd encourage you to go read it, maybe spend some time processing it if you want to. But in Romans 12, Paul starts to lay out practically what these relationships with those that we are on two different pages can and should look like. And there's this one little verse, one little sentence, Romans 12 verse 9, that has been the linchpin for me in the midst of all of this. And the verse simply says this, let love be genuine. Now, for you, that might not be the craziest statement or, or, or sentence you've ever heard. But for me, this has been the challenge. Because I know what it's like to love someone and associated with that person is warm, fuzzy feelings, you know, a common path that we're on and we, you know, share a lot of the same views. And so there's this natural love, warm affection, this, the, this embrace and desire to be around someone all the time and continually interact, that this is what love has at its core, Right. But Paul is dealing with two different groups that don't see eye to eye on everything, but how can they be a part of the same community? And he says to let this love be genuine. So for me, the question is, can I have a genuine love for people that we uh, don't agree? We're not on the same path in a lot of ways. That maybe potentially there's not warm, fuzzy feelings that we have for each other all the time. There isn't a desire to be around each other all the time. Can there be this genuine kind of love? Because what I don't want to see happen for my life, honestly, is that I'm someone that has these people, my family, friends, that I would say, I love them, but it's not this genuine kind of love. It's just a word that I'm throwing out. But how do I make this thing actually be genuine? So this, is a, a, uh, this series is kind of a personal journey and story for me, things that I've been wrestling through. And the reason I think that's important to note is I'm not sitting here today trying to communicate that I'm on a mountaintop and I figured it all out. And so just do these things and everything will be great. No, this is, this is the journey that I'm on. And so these are some things over the last couple of years that I've been picking up on that have been really helpful and important for me. These are things that I'm not doing like 100% well all the time. I'm still working hard at these things, but I'm choosing to lean into them, to let, to work, to let my love be genuine for people that I disagree with and people that adamantly disagree with me. And the first thing that I would say that's been so important for me is that I have to work to hear their story. I believe that to love someone at its core 
means that you know them. To love someone is to know them. There is a person and they carry a story. They carry experiences, things they've seen, relationships that they've had, communities they've been a part of, and all of those things have influenced who they are to be in the current place that they are. And one of the things that I believe is that everyone's story matters. There's something sacred, significant, and divine about their story that's led them to the place that they are today. And what I find is someone that's on the other side of the aisle from me, someone that disagrees with me, particularly somebody that might be coming after me because they adamantly disagree with me, they're incredibly frustrated with some decisions and choices that I've made, is it's easy for me to turn someone like that into some kind of James Bond villain. In other words, they're just on the wrong side. And we have to you know, just get rid of that side. And if they came over to the good side, then everything would be okay. But they're just some kind of villain that must be taken care of. And I think this is something that is incredibly hurtful for me and obviously for that other person if I'm just turning them into a villain compared to working to hear their story. Because here's the thing. I have a story that has influenced and been a part of my journey to be why I am where I am today. And they have a similar story. And if I love them, then I'm working to hear their story. Not to just put them in a box or put them in a category and say that I've got it all figured out, but to actually sit down and work to understand what are the things they've seen, experienced, the communities they've been a part of, what matters to them, and what's their story that's led them to this point. This is one of the reasons I think social media is and can be such a big problem. Because at its core, social media is simply avatars or projections of ourselves. We create a profile picture. We just post thoughts or ideas, pictures. We just share different things. And they're just these blips on the radar, these moments that we're sharing about ourselves. And as someone that would scroll down a social media feed, I'm seeing a a projection of someone. I'm seeing a picture of someone, a blip on the radar of their story. And my tendency is to see that, to read that, to see something that somebody shared. And all of a sudden, I put them in some kind of box and put them in some kind of category. And that (laughs) I'm not working to actually know them and know their story. I'm just working to see that one or two sentence thing that they posted. And then all of a sudden, I feel like I can make some judgments and assessments about who they are. This is one of the reasons that I've had to work hard to actually get off of social media in a lot of ways, because I don't think I'm actually coming to know these people. I'm just judging them based off of a projection in a single moment. And then all of a sudden, I don't know that my love is actually genuine because to love them is to know them. So for me, what this has looked like is rather than trying to interact with my dad through social media, (laughs) which I I think he's on Facebook, uh, rather than doing that, for me, I've got to work hard to sit down and ask my dad questions and hear his story. Hear stories about when he was a kid, things he experienced growing up. Hear stories about when he was a young man or stories about being a a newlywed, a young father, things that he was wrestling with. And through this journey, there's been so much that I've discovered about my father that has influenced and helped me understand, oh, okay, this, this is making more and more sense in a lot of ways. And I'm not sitting down to diagnose him. I'm not sitting down to try and change him or quote unquote fix him. I'm sitting down to know him because I want my love to be genuine for him, to make sure that I hear him. 
And for many of us, this idea of sitting down with those we want to genuinely love and have these kinds of conversations, it just feels like a whole bunch of work, (laughs) a whole bunch of time that we just don't have. So how do we go about it? Because social media is easy, right? You just scroll and you can keep up on a few hundred relationships just by scrolling through that. Well, here's the decision that I've made. I've chosen to say there are certain relationships that I want to have this genuine love with. And so what that means is that I'm going to work hard in those relationships. I'm going to work to spend time to connect potentially regularly with them and to continually know them and hear their story. And that means there's a whole bunch of other relationships. It doesn't mean I don't like them. It doesn't mean I don't want to be around them. But I just have to understand there are certain people that I do, this work does matter. And so if I have to say no to some of these other relationships, to say yes to these relationships that do matter, that's the choice that I'm making because I want to be someone that can genuinely love, let my love be genuine for these people, even if we disagree. Because ultimately, what I've found is there are so many times and moments where I'll hear a story from somebody, a friend, a family member, coming to know them, and I have to realize, if I were in their shoes, if I had lived the same story, seen the same things, experiencing the same things, there's a high, high potential. I would be making the same choices and decisions about God, the Bible, politics, sexuality, these kinds of things. It doesn't make them right, It doesn't make me right or wrong, but it's me working to love them in knowing them. The second thing that I would say that's been so important for me is that I have to work to live out of yes and. Yes and. There's this concept within improv theater that um, says that if you want to progress a scene or the story forward, you use this yes and uh, approach. And yes and is simply this. Improv is you don't have a script. Nobody knows what's, what's going to happen going into it. And you just have actors on a stage that are taking one or two ideas and continuing to see the story progress and evolve. So this, the old show, uh, Whose Line it is, is It Anyways? This was improv theater. And so yes and would look like this. An actor or somebody would approach me and say, Matt, that's a really interesting duck that you have on your head. And yes and would be me hearing that and choosing to say, yes, this is an interesting duck. And he won't stop slapping me with his wings. Now, this is a horrible scene, and I'm not trying to say I'm good at improv theater, okay? But that's yes and. You take what was given to you, and you work to progress and move it forward. This is the reverse of what sometimes we would want to do, and that is more of like a no but. In other words, someone says, hey, Matt, that's a really interesting duck you have on on your head. And I would respond like, that's not a duck, but you look dumb. (laughs) Like you can understand that does nothing for the story. That doesn't progress or help anything or anyone. And it's an awful scene. Nobody wants to see where that goes. And so for me and my relationship, whether it's with my father or with these friends, other family members, When I'm interacting and having conversations with them, if there are points, things that they say that I can pick up and I can say, yes, and this is a progressing kind of thing for the relationship. So understanding that there would be something that my dad would bring to the table that I would be able to grab onto and say, yes, and, and move that thing forward. There are things that my dad brings to the table, has brought to the table, influenced me in an incredibly positive way that have been so helpful and transformational for me to be who I am today. And I need to be willing to talk about and celebrate those kinds of things. So my father cares deeply about doing the right thing, 
deeply about doing the right thing. And this is something that, as I'm in conversation with him, I need to work to yes and, and to show gratitude for the fact that I am who I am. And there are certain good things about my life and character that come from who he is in that. That I need to understand, I grew up in a family and in a home that our faith community was one, that we found ourselves uh, many times going to church, not so that we could get something, but that church, our faith community was a space that we could show up to serve and give what we had to those in need around us. This is what church always has been. And I need to, yes, and that. That is something so good and so positive. As much as my father and I would disagree on things like church and belief potentially, that I would be able to yes and that element and celebrate those kinds of things. Or you take this element of this church community that I was a part of for years that held in high, high regard excellence and doing everything in the best way possible. And so many years of my life were spent making sure that all the little details were finely tuned and that the lights and the music and the stage fog and everything was just the way that it could and should be. Excellence mattered. Now, this is something that, you know, when it comes to church world especially, I've kind of moved in a different direction on, but... This idea and this hope for excellence in all things, doing your best is something that I can interact with friends that are a part of that church community and faith community, and I can yes and that. I can celebrate that. Even though we might have disagreements about so many other things, that this is something that we can move the story forward. I can let my love be genuine in the way that I'm choosing to yes and certain things. Again, it doesn't mean I agree with everything. It doesn't mean we're on the same page with everything, but I can choose to celebrate and move the story and relationship forward by picking out those things that come up in conversation, picking out those things that I can recognize in my life and say, yes, and those are good, beautiful things. The third thing that I would say when it comes to letting my love be genuine, to agree, to disagree, is to show remorse. To show remorse. The reality is, my father spent so much of his time, energy, heart, and life working to grow his kids, me, up in a space and environment, a community where we were experiencing truth and God, and that this would be a space that we would never leave, that this would be a belief system and a structure that we would hold on to no matter what. And while I still do have beliefs in many ways, I have progressed, I have left the tribe in some of my thinking on, the God, on God, the Bible, sexuality, politics, these kinds of things. And I must recognize and see that is incredibly painful and difficult for my dad to watch happen because this is not what he hoped for out of my life at all. And if I genuinely love someone, it means that if I see someone I love in pain, that that's something that would cause me pain as well. And so I need to work to show that remorse. I need to work to, to say and to communicate, I'm sorry. That the decisions that I've made, the choices of where I am and what I believe and think are not intended to cause 
him or anyone pain, but there's a there's a path that I'm on, a belief that I have that this is a more beautiful way to go about things, but in the midst of causing him pain or causing some really close friends pain, watching me make these choices and decisions, that I can work to show remorse and say, I'm sorry, this is not the goal or the hope out of this at all. It takes a certain level of humility. Now, obviously, it's in some ways, it's their choice to pick up that pain and and to wrestle with that in the way that they are. But I can still be very, very honest about the fact that that was never my intent or goal. I've got to work to show remorse because if I genuinely love someone, to watch them struggle and to watch them uh, wrestle with these things in the heavy weightness that come, weightedness that comes with this stuff then remorse in in what I'm watching them walk through can be, and I believe should be, a part of that genuine love. And last but not least, I would say that if I'm going to have genuine love with those I agree to disagree with, then I must stay invested in their story. Obviously, there's a story that has led someone to be where they are, and I've talked about the work that I must do to hear and to Uh, understand someone's story for why they are where they are, what they believe, what they believe. But many times what I found in my own life is the potential to hear someone's story, to feel like I understand who they are or why they are where they are, and then to easily just leave it at that and not to continue to stay invested in their story. That I'm someone that's on a journey, and so I am not where I was five years ago. I'm not where I was 10, 20 years ago, and so I'm someone that's consistent consistently shifting and changing and evolving in many ways, and that I need to, to see others, especially those that disagree with me, on the same kind of path and journey, that I cannot spend the rest of my life continuing to place them in a box, even if I've heard their story. I must continue to ask them questions like, what are you wrestling with? What are you struggling with? What's been good? What are you celebrating? That I can sit down with my father and talk about, okay, what, what's happening in your church life and church world? What are you reading? What, are you, what is God communicating and speaking to you? That I'm still very interested in what's happening in their lives. So that looks like certain conversations with my dad. That looks like certain conversations uh, with certain you know friends that I was a part of kind of what I would call church world for a long time. And <laughs> I don't know how much you know, but church world can easily be like its own ecosystem. There's your own celebrities and you know products and things that you're excited about that are happening within church world. And it was something that I was very invested in. So like, you know, for a lot of years, I had no clue who the Beatles were really, uh, but I knew who Third Day was. <laughs> and we were talking about the latest Third Day album, stuff like that. Well, that's something that I've kind of I've kind of moved out of, and I don't really know what's happening in church world anymore uh, with celebrity culture or with music or those kinds of things. But when I'm interacting with people and friends that I care for and love, I can ask questions, and we can stay invested. I can stay invested in, in what's continually going on there because this is a genuine love, and and understand that they're walking through things and learning things and processing things, and we may have differences differences in that, but that it still matters that I stay invested in their story. Ultimately, I believe this, and I think many of you who listen to this podcast believe this. Genuine love is one of the, if not the most transformational force on planet Earth. And that there's something so good and beautiful that comes from this power and force of love 
in our lives. It's one of the reasons that we connect so strongly with the message and the story of Christ. And what I've found is when it comes to the transformational power of love, for those that I disagree with, that my genuine love towards them and for them, it might not be something that potentially transforms them and changes them. But what I found is these steps and these actions are actually a transformational force of love for me. That as I'm working to ask questions and hear their story, as I'm working to show remorse, as I'm working to yes and and show gratitude, that these are things that cause my heart to grow. These are things that cause me and help me to be more open and loving as a person. And I believe that this work matters in my life. I find it really uh, important, significant, in the midst of this Romans 12 passage, Paul is talking about these two groups of people, and he says this, he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. It's this idea that, yes, there are different parts of this thing called the body of Christ. There are different parts of this thing called humanity, community, family, these kinds of things. And that those different parts have something beautiful and significant and important about them. And that as I work to show genuine love towards these people, this love is a transformational force in my, in my life to be more open, to see them, and in that to understand that there is something good and beautiful and true that they are bringing to the table. Despite our disagreements, despite the fact that we might not see eye to eye on everything. But for me to open my heart, for me to open my eyes and see that we're all in this together. That they are my brother, they are my sister, their story matters, and that this is something that is so important for my own growth and life and becoming more and more like the person of Christ that I'm working to become. We live in a world where there are many disagreements. We live in a world where it seems like it's getting more and more polarized. And for many of us, that's happening more and more around that family Thanksgiving dinner table. And so I believe it is an important, powerful work for us to use this transformational force of love to hear each other's stories, to yes end, to show remorse, and to stay invested in a way that continues to transform our lives into a more beautiful, centered, open place. As I said, this is my journey. This is something that I'm continually working on, and um, I want to get better and better at it as well. I believe in this work, and I hope that you, wherever you are, the relationships that are around you, uh, that you would find this same work to be good. I love you, and as always, if there's anything that I can do or the CMYK community can be doing for you, please reach out and let us know. Other than that, we hope to see you at our August 18th picnic at Pioneer Park at 1130. Uh, We'll talk to you very, very soon.